brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, it's time for more suds. It is definitely time for more suds. Our sud segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer. And every suds episode is where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts today, good old boy Mike. And joining me here at the table are Reverend Mark. Hello. And good old gal Juliana. Greetings. And good old boy Dave. Hey, everybody. Are you sure about that? Well, I had something funnier to say, but I was going to hold off. It was fleeting you just like that. Wow. That was very subdued, dude. Today's show is all about finding a good gift for a beer buddy that is actually beer plus a discussion on cellaring today is what our show's all about. Dave is going to get the honors of going over our sets ratings for today. We'll be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with these Suds ratings, plus our signature belching sounds. Here are those ratings now. Number one, that sucks. Give me anything but a bud. Number two, was that a belch? Number three, ah, what a relief. Number four, what Juliana says to me all the time, a body should really not make that sound. <laughs> and number five, listen to that hang time, give me another. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You know, uh, I think one time I'm going to like trade those things out for like duck quacks just to see you know, if anybody's actually paying attention to those. So. <laughs> Some of mine sound like duck quacks, but... <laughs> but a body should really not make that sound, Dave. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, the end of the year brings lots of cool things in the beer industry, and many very cool beers are released here at the end of the year. We decided to concentrate part of our choices today around barrel-aged beers, since that's all the rage right now, plus there are other lots of barrel-aged beer released at the end of the year. Recently, I've picked up some limited-release beers from Wicked Weed. They uh, released Dark Arts, the brewery, uh, Black Tuesday. Yeah, I know you forgot to go. And uh, Deschutes, the Abyss. There's lots of big Belgian quads and barrel aged stouts, and all things barrel aged are typically on the gift list this time of year. So, we have assembled a group of beers today to talk about, um, and we'll be uh, talking about these beers plus maybe a choice of a beer that were not on the list and we're going to have some late discussion about beer cellaring as well so the beers we're going to be tasting and reviewing today are from hangar 24 barrel roll number four from hammerhead it's a barrel aged barley wine left hand brewings wake up dead great divides chocolate oat gauge yeti hoff 10 dormal it's a number 10 dark ale on madeira the Brewery Anniversary Series, Sekel, and Deschutes Black Butte, 26th Anniversary, Nebraska Brewing Melange à Trois. I feel like I'm in a French restaurant, not a beer show. 
<laughs> so the two beers we're going to talk about during our cellaring segment, um, the two beers we're going to actually taste are Old Stock 2006 and Alesmith uh, Grand Cru from 2013. Mm-hmm. The two beers that we'll get to have here live on the show, as well as talk about uh, cellaring in general. So uh, our hosts have uh, tasted all these beers. We have our tasting notes around these. And what I've asked uh, each of our hosts to do is to pick their top two out of the choices of these beer, plus possibly any other beer or another present that they might have as a suggestion to your favorite beer buddy. So up first is going to be Reverend Mark is going to go through his top two and his other selection as well. Reverend Mark. Hey, we had a great lineup, uh, so it was hard to narrow it down to two, but I'll give my uh, number two starting off with... Did I say that? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Left Hand Wake Up Dead Barrel Aged Imperial Stout. How about that? Nice. So, Left Hand Brewing, uh, this is a barrel-aged imperial stout from Longmont, Colorado. This is uh, has an ABV of 10.2%, so this is definitely not uh, a weak beer by any chance. So, the description from the brewery is, Good morning! You've woken up the dead. You're in ruins on the brink of catastrophe. But don't be discouraged. <laughs> Who writes this stuff? You are ripe for revolution. Just like the Bolsheviks of the early 1900s. I hear the Russian music playing. And our barrel-aged Russian imperial stout doesn't happen overnight. Patience is required. Wake Up Dead hibernates in our cellars for over 12 months before being blended to woody perfection. Hints of raisins, cherry, licorice, and toffee, followed by earthy herbal hop notes to rise up, joining in your fight for a better life. Don't be afraid of the dark. All power to the stouts. So, uh, what's your tasting notes around left hand wake up dead? Well, I'd say it's Though it's a very, very big imperial stout, which sort of is a redundancy there. Uh, there's uh, just some really nice layered notes of, of roast, of chocolate, of licorice. Um, it just, it finishes really clean for a big, you know, kind of chewy beer. Uh, I just think it would be a really nice uh, sipping beer on uh, a nice holiday afternoon. Huh. So what's your suds rating on that? Uh, I give it a four. A four. A body should really not make that sound. Great choice. Uh, so what else uh, would be on your top list for a gift here? I'd say the my, my number one pick, at least for today, uh, would be uh, the brewery's Sucre. 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 Yes. So uh, patent company of really um, uh, Patrick uh, Rue, who is the uh, uh, brewer for... Uh, uh, the brewery here, uh, they have really set something up. So this is an old ale. And so if you don't know anything about this series, they create an anniversary uh, beer every year. So last year, and we reviewed it on the show, it's called uh, Dubois. Uh, or The Bois, I'm sorry, I think is the name of uh, the beer. And uh, so this is the, the one that they made this year is the Sakel. And it's an old ale. Um, and so uh, this has an ABV of 16.9%. So this is definitely what so I would So it's consider. a session beer, right? Oh, yeah, right. You're going to have half of this and be out like a light. Here's a description from the brewery. May is our anniversary month, and we're excited to release Sakil, our sixth anniversary ale this week. 
The beer is brewed in English-style old ale tradition using our house Belgian yeast strain and then blended using the Solera method, where a portion of each of our anniversary ales is saved from our barrels and then blended in with the next year's production, providing more complexity and depth of character that comes with age. So this is actually aged in a bourbon barrel. Um, is uh, what this this old aged or old ale is actually aged in, Reverend Mark? You're tasting us on Sakal from the brewery. Well, I do think the fact that this this is a uh, a blended ale, you know, and they continue to, you know, put years uh, into each you know new batch. That is, they save, um, you know, their their other uh, holiday beers from from years past to blend into the into the next year. Uh, I, I get a sense of um, of history here, you know, if you will, um, it's it is more on the sweet side. Um, you know, an, an English style, really big ale like this, uh, you would hope that you would get a lot of that really uh, robust uh, Maris Otter type maltiness there, which you do, uh, but it's not sickeningly sweet. Uh, of course, the ABV is like right at seventeen percent, so it really is like a glass of barley wine at a super wine, almost a port level. Well, I guess not almost. It is. It doesn't have that bitterness, though, yeah. It doesn't. So, no. And and this is definitely one for uh, just a a nice snifter that you can work on for quite some time. Again, I think in in terms of just sort of the the holiday ambiance of a beer like this, it would be, you know, just – the perfect one that I would dial in. Yep. You want to have this when you have a house full of relatives. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. Everybody's nodding their head. I see a lot of heads oh, nodding yeah. around when I said that. So what's your uh, sense rating here for Sakel? I'll give it a four as well. A four as well. Body should not make that sound. So if you had to uh, suggest another gift uh, for a, a friend, um, a beer a beer friend, what, what else would you pick uh, during the holiday season? Well, you know, this is just me going back, you know, some 14 years, and this is kind of a just a, a, a habit that I have, uh, but I do get it fresh, and uh, I have to say to this day that uh, one of my favorite holiday beers, uh, because it's a very limited offering, but fairly well known, um, is Sierra Nevada Celebration. Yep, great beer. And... Uh it it uh, it falls in well to our d- later discussion about uh, cellaring because uh, it's actually a beer that uh, tends to cellar pretty well. It does, uh, but well. I like it like right like to, now, uh, yeah. right now. Yeah. I like to drink to and store to. That's what I like to do. Yeah. What's yeah. hmm. well, a it's a really great choice. And um, the other beer that they release, you know, around the same time Sierra Nevada does is the Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and which is uh, generally a. a it's actually considered a vintage because um, they stamp the date on it uh, for Bigfoot as well. And they tend to release um, Celebration Ale, and then they release Bigfoot a little bit later, usually about three or four weeks later. So both those are really great beers from uh, Sierra Nevada. Great choice. And uh, 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 probably uh, a good friend would enjoy always uh, getting a great gift from you. So It's a nice stocking stuffer. <laughs> stocking stuffer you got to have a big stocking though (laughs) hey we'll be right back after taking this quick segment break here on sips suds and smokes
So next up is going to be Juliana telling us about her top two picks and her choice for her beer buddy. Juliana. So, sadly, Reverend Mark beat me to the punch on one of them. Again. <laughs> Curses. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, the one that he talked about that I really liked about, liked as well, is the brewery Sucre. Uh, Sucre. 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 Um, out of all of them that we tasted, and, I mean, believe me, there was, like, a wealth of flavors that were out there. This one really blew me away because it just blended so much together. I mean, there was a woodiness, there was bourbon, there was vanilla, there was plums, there was molasses, there was caramel, and there were, like, a thousand other things in there as well. But to me, it just was the, the epitome of what, you know, an imperial crazy brewed beer is if that makes any sense and um and i really really enjoyed it and i gave this one a four wow a four how about that listen to that hang time give me another that's pretty amazing <clears throat> good beer so uh what else was on your short list there okay you're gonna find this a little odd but then me oh, i am well. odd um, is the Nebraska Reserve Series Melange Okay. I like this for many reasons. First of all, because it was so completely different than everything else that we tried hmm. in this flight. Let's uh, let's introduce this beer to our Please audience do. here. Please do. Uh, really, uh, really great beer. So Nebraska Brewing uh, is the name of this uh, brewery. They're out of uh, Papillon, uh, Nebraska. Uh, that's in between nowhere and anywhere uh, in uh-huh. Nebraska. <laughs> the um, uh, let's see. This is a Belgian strong ale. Uh, the ABV on this is eleven point three percent. And uh, here is a bit of the description on this beer from Nebraska Brewing. It is a wonderfully big Belgian strong blonde uh, that moves into extraordinary category through an additional six month of French oak Chardonnay wine barrel maturation and the essence of the Chardonnay permeates the white subtle sweetness remains from the ale itself. Oak tannins combine to create a fascinating mesh of dry, sweet, and wine-like character, one of our favorites. A stunning running list of awards that this beer has had from many different competitions. I'm looking at a list that's no less than 20 different uh, awards this beer has had. So, uh, a great beer from Nebraska Brewing. Your tasting notes about this, Juliana. So, one of the reasons why I, why I really enjoyed this so much is um, Chardonnays, per se, don't really appeal to me as much as other wine styles because they just seem so light and um and just too crisp for me but putting this in a belgian strong i thought was an excellent idea because the belgian strongs you know tend to be very toffee heavy and just very heavy beers to begin with but this really it lightened it up but it you still get all of these like great flavors. I mean, I was getting a lot of oakiness and um, apricotiness. I was getting like some clementiny. So, granted, it wasn't like dark fruits, but it still was a good variety of fruits. I mean, there was even like a lemony kind of taste to it as well. And I just thought, you know, for the winter, 
granted you know a lot of these old imperial and and stronger beers that we've been tasting yes that kind of goes with the flow of what the winter is but to me i could sip this and be just as happy mm. um as i would with any of the barley wines mm. and so for this i give a four as well a four as well a body should not make that sound So, uh, just a really uh, fabulous beer uh, from Nebraska here, and I guess the um, thing that strikes me about this, I guess the the one beer that this reminded me of was uh, White Oak from the brewery. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it has some, uh, so White Oak from the brewery is uh, a blended beer uh, that is, uh, half of it is aged in bourbon barrel and the other half is not. And it has some of the same qualities that this does in terms of its being very light and approachable um, itself. Um, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about this beer a little bit more, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it hit uh, your short list. So if you had to pick a beer to uh, give to a friend or a beer buddy that's not on our short list here, what was your pick? I think I would try to do like something like Sweetwater's Festival or Schlafly's Christmas Ale. They those are two beers that I really like to see around the Christmas time that people don't it's almost like an afterthought like yeah it's out there i i think they're they're good winter christmasy celebratory beers similar to those that reverend mark had talked about but just on a more like east coat midwesty kind of thing and i think like sweetwater's getting bigger distribution and schlafly's got bigger distribution as well um but i, I think those are, are ones that have been underrated but would be easily consumed around the christmas time and have like great flavor hmm. cool great choice excellent choices all right next up is uh good old boy dave to tell us about his top two picks and his uh, choice for a beer buddy well juliana per her usual has stolen yes <laughs> um, the um, nebraska melange a trois uh because i like it because it sounds dirty um, that's the first but, a different um, episode it is a delicious beer and and it brings up something i want to ask you about mike because you know beers um you know they we have beers that are aged in wine barrels. We have beers that are aged in whiskey barrels. You know, and the beer and the whiskey world seem to um, go back and forth pretty evenly. Does the are there any wines that or any wine makers that merge with the whiskey or beer worlds? Well, I think. Uh in terms of you know those those beers that you know I've experienced that are aged in different type of you know barrel condition elements, the one event that I would say that was a good representation of such a broad range of things you can age uh, would be the Denver Rare Beer Festival that mm-hmm. we all went to yeah. at the Great American Beer Festival, um, and. Um, you know, it's just because in that room you had so many of a variety of things that beer had been aged in. For me, um, I, I think probably one of the the, the best aging uh, barrel is rum. Mm, um, yeah. I, I really think that you. The thing is, is that you have the ability of dropping in. Um, 
a, a really very bitter forward beer into a rum barrel and not worry about bringing forth enough of the sugaring components in the beer to temper basically the bitterness element to it. So sure. I think you can get away with a, a barley wine that is typically, you know, a very um, a very high, you know, bitter beer and dropping that into a rum barrel. Yeah. Um, that is really quite amazing. The One of the best beers that I've had in a barrel was at that festival. And it was, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who brought the beer, but I definitely remember what it was in, which was a Balcones uh, rum barrel. Ooh. And um, mainly because Chip was uh, actually standing right there and, and it was good to, to be able to say hi, you know, to the distiller from Balcones and, and um, you know, compliment him on how well that you know I thought the beer had turned out. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry, whoever made the beer, it was equally impressive. I just I can't recall. I it guess right what now. I would like to know though is, have you as, as a because you're a beer guy and you're a whiskey guy and you're a coffee guy and you're a wine guy and you you are all the guys. Have you? Are there any wines that I are just aged? do what she tells me to do every day, Dave? Dude, that's it. Believe me, I, I, that that is the husband's thirty mantra. years, man. Yeah. Um, are there any wines that age yeah. in like a whiskey barrel or or, or liquor or anything like that? Well, so uh, you know, there are things that you know cross into elements of fortification, you know, in wine. So you have tawny ports. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you have uh, sherry is probably the the most common style of a of a wine that's actually made, you know, in a in a barreling agent. And the thing is, is that uh, and, I, and I guess the comparison I, that I draw between beer and sherry is is that sherry is something that you you don't make once and it's a batch and you're done with it it's a it's a constant process you're actually is a constant fermentation process sure that's taking place within a, a sherry cask itself and so you're running stuff through both in terms of adding things and then you're drawing off you know a sherry cask at the same time and so i don't know that you ever think of a, a sherry cask as ever going empty um sure. so the 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 way that you um that's probably one example i can think of right off the bat anything that's like out of the ordinary that you haven't seen before well i th you know the one that we have here in this lineup from the the uh doff um ten dormal in the madeira uh is probably one example that i typically do not see um beer in a madeira uh, mm -hmm. wine barrel and right. Madeira is a uh, it is a uh, usually an, an after drink uh, after dinner you know style drink it's it's nearly you know port style it's a very uh, uh, it, it's usually a um, it has a lot of tannin a lot of uh, a lot of just that dark red current you know uh, running through when you think of a, a Madeira wine it tends to be kind of inky and a bit viscous you know um as well on the mouthfeel of you know thinking about madeira itself um so that was a very interesting choice and probably and so we have two examples of things that have been dropped in different wine barrels just in this flight alone that i brought here so we have one that you've uh, picked here which is the melange which is in a chardonnay barrel which uh, Chardonnay is a, it's a big buttery you know yeah. style uh, and, and um, it's not terribly sweet uh, as much as it is it just literally tastes like a stick of butter. Um, Do you think that there are well, and I'm almost certain that there are 
certain styles of beer that you would match with if you were going to age a beer in a wine cast that there's you know if it was a stout or you know a certain style of beer you would pick this style of wine barrel to age it in well um i like the idea of doing uh what i would consider things at the extremes and things that are in the middle right, if right, i had right, to right. if i had to pick it so um let's so probably on the on the styles of extremes where you have extreme elements of beer and extreme elements of of wine mm-hmm. i like the idea of combining bitterness with sweetness so taking a very uh, uh heady uh, barley wine um and combining that in an ice wine Mm-hmm. Oh, would yeah. be a very interesting choice sure. um, or even choosing uh, to do uh, you know uh, a very sweet Riesling um, would be another great choice what would you do like let's say a an, an Imperial West Coast IPA well with that you have you know such so much of those floral um, elements of and pininess that are there already and the thing is is that I don't think you'd want to pick a wine that would compete with that right um, and so when I tend to think of things that are not going to compete with something like that it would be uh, probably a uh, uh, a white burgundy would probably be at the top uh, of my choice oh, yeah. sure. uh, because it's going to complement um, that Dryness. beer and it's going to bring some components around it that are not there uh, yeah. just or white pinot um, in general or white white burgundy uh, would even go really well with you know something that has a lot of hop and floral components yeah. because I don't think of those wines as having you know those elements to it as well so it's all part of a common theme when I'm when thinking about. And I know you guys can't uh, on the radio can't see me, you know, hand gesturing around the, to the can here in the room. Is, you know, I'm holding my arms out, you know, rather wide of saying you have to think of things that are uh, would complement each other. That the bitterness with the sweetness, or yeah. in this case, the floral, or something that's going to lay down. I think what's more difficult are things to get to match up. You know, what I would consider in the middle um, yeah. for both. Both for beer and for you know fortified uh, or distilled products as well, we have a lot of things here that are bourbon aged, and um, I think probably it's it's a common if you have ever heard any of our our shows on on barrel aged beers is is it's a very basic question for me anyway is is the booze complementing the beer or is the beer complementing the booze and which how well are those basically in check and and balancing with each other um we have examples of of things that are in check and things that are not in check with the beers that are in this flight there were a lot of things that were very booze forward and in fact uh I'll probably even talk about one of them, which I actually wrote down. Where's the beer? Yeah, because there's nothing left. Yeah, you know. Well, um, you always say, well. does the barrel complement the beer, or does the beer lose itself in the barrel? You know? Well, I think with so much of the it topic for uh, right now in the brewing industry is a lot of barrel aging. And everybody I got, wants to get a barrel. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, uh, a question that got posed to me in a, uh, a roundtable uh, discussion last week was, 
what did I think was going to be the it topic for the brewing industry for, and uh, I'm aging our, our uh, episode here a bit, but for 2015. And, uh, you know, my comment was is that I really thought it was going to be the year of the barrel. And the reason why is because when you talk to any brewing, any brewer right now or any brewing company, if you ask them what their big plan is, they go, well, here, let me show you our barrel house, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so, so much of that conversation uh, for such, you know, maybe for the last three or four years, that conversation has been about capacity. And they go, wait a second, why don't you come over here? I want to show you my new 100-barrel you know, fermenter that's that's over here yeah. that I have sticking out of the roof that you can see from orbit. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's been all about capacity. And now that conversation has sh- shifted rather quickly, and it is you know, all about... You know, hey, you know, uh, show me, you know, let me show you our new barrel room. But it'd be um, interesting, I think, to talk to some of the distillers and go, hey, what do you think about that beer that came out of your barrel? You know, was that what you thought Yeah, would, would happen? You know, when your whiskey barrel um, infiltrated that beer or that beer sat in your whiskey yeah. barrel? Um, so have you guys had uh, um, Blackstone's uh, Black Bell? I want to yeah. say. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I can only tell a little bit where this is going. So, listen, we all love Blackstone. It's a great brewery. I, love it. um, I couldn't say enough good things about Blackstone. They've been a part you know, of Nashville. They for really a have. Long time. Um, it really makes some great beer. One of my one of my favorite IPAs I can go to pick up is Adam Bomb. You know, right there on the shelf every single day. So uh, they had an experimentation where they actually, you know, they went down this path and they said, "Well, let's let's do this whole barrel aging thing," you know. Yeah. And so they took a, uh, I think it's an imperial stout um, yes. that they uh, yeah. dropped into a set of bourbon barrels. I don't know whose, and um, bottled the whole thing and uh, you know did the whole you know special release thing. You know, much like we're talking about with some of these other things. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was there and you know came to to try the the beer out right away on that first day on that yeah. very first day and uh you know i i can't remember who caught me but um they actually saw my first reaction to this and they knew that something was amiss well we saw it you was, pretty it was, early into it it was difficult for me to hide my reaction to it for sure here's what i would say and i'm you know i, I i'm not a professional brewer so i i can't you know really criticize but i can only tell you what i think you have to anytime you do a batch of anything especially if you're aging it for a while you need to be continually tasting it you need to be thieving yeah and if you're not tasting it along the way you know you can say well i think it's going to be good in six months well, it may have peaked in three months or four months. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and if you don't taste it, you can very easily let it go too long. Yeah. And then it kind of is what it is at that point, you know. And I think that's what happened is that they let it sit in the barrel too long. Yeah, and we all had a very common reaction about that. And, you know, I think that uh, and, and it fell in that category of, the booze overwhelmed the beer, yeah. you know, and uh, it just, uh, um, it, it really, it was very difficult for me to even 
have a second glass of it. I mean, yeah. it was it was it was very very difficult. You were drinking a barrel, definitely. All right, so uh, we'll have um, more chance to talk about uh, barrel topics here as we finish out um, our episode. Up next, uh, I want to share with you my two choices out of our flight here. So, um, uh, sure, I'll order them up. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go one and two. Um, really. Um, to me, it was like this, and everything else was kind of bunched together. The uh, <laughs> the Nebraska Brewing Melange yeah. Trois was absolutely so something I would hand to anyone on the free planet and say that uh, this is uh, definitely uh, something that uh, I would yeah. ask you to uh, to enjoy. And uh, you know, uh, this long list of accolades that I did not read off to you. Um, is really i think uh underrated um on just how good this beer is it looks like they've been making this for some time at least maybe for the last three or four years and i really think they have everything dialed in um i've got to believe that there is some back-end blending that's going on with this um as well to really kind of hit at the magic moment you know with this beer but my tasting notes around this is you know the french oak just complements the beer it's just flat out i mean it's just uh it's everything that you know i really love Mm. as he takes another yeah i know i i uh, (laughs) want to remind myself as i'm talking about this let you know why their bottles are so expensive when you can find them and worth it they're hard to get worth it you know but they're 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 a little pricey i mean i didn't think this one was in the stratosphere yet um but uh you know i would say that this is priced appropriately you know based on the quality it is the other things i wrote down is uh, the word decadent uh, this is yeah. an elegant beer. Yeah. So there's another beer. There's a couple beers this reminded me of. I mentioned one of them already, which is White Oak from the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, has some other elements to this. Another beer that we have not reviewed on this show, but I have tasted it, is uh, Decadence from Alesmith. Um, I've had it on tap. Uh, I have a few bottles. We're actually going to probably review it uh, here on the show at some point in time. And uh, that's a good brewery. This uh, this reminds me uh, some a lot of the qualities of decadence as well. Yeah. Um, you know, this is uh, I don't know a wedding cake in a glass would be sure. you know uh, was the other thing is just kind of. Mm. It, there's just so many layers, you know, to this beer, yeah. and that's what I, I liked about it. It just, it, di- it never really gave up, um, and um, this is uh, this is de- definitely something I can see giving to a friend, and them calling me on February uh, first week in February, going, "Where'd you get that again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't yeah. you give me two bottles? Yeah, what's <laughs> up with that, man?" But again, you know, what's what's really great about this is it doesn't have to be a dark beer to be something right, so complex. Yeah. I, I know, and, and I th- I don't know if it stood out in, in this flight just because... Uh, of the color, Maybe right. because Everything of the style. Everything else is like... Dark you know, and woody, yeah. and, you know, um, this is definitely not that at all. This is definitely very, very decadent. My son's rating for Nebraska uh, Reserve Series Melange à Trois is a five. So, uh, out of the uh, other beers that we had to choose from here, um, it was a little more difficult for me to pick something that was right behind this. And um, there were some things that were, you know, hitting on all cylinders and some things that were just kind of really kind of losing it, you know, for me as well. 
Um, I would say that probably my next choice out of this particular flight um, would would be the same thing that you guys picked, which is the Brewery Sakel. Um, mm. You know, we've talked about this a little bit already, and I'll read through my tasting notes here. Hello, booze. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a great old ale. I have had this on draft, and actually, this was on draft when we were in Denver um, at uh, the Cheeky Monk, and I actually enjoyed a glass on draft there. I had another one when I was in California uh, as well, and it was, uh, I actually like it better on draft. I really think that the uh, the bottle is probably a bit more booze forward um, than maybe the draft version. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a, you know, a caramel that's just been rolled in bourbon, you know, and it just, and sure. you feel like uh, that, you know, that's the way it kind of presents itself on God, that would your be tongue as to well. Right bourbon flavored caramel. Dude. Yeah. So listen, I'm going to throw one more in here since we haven't talked about this one and it was a very close second for me, uh, but I think definitely worthy of discussion. And that is the beer from Hangar 24. Um their barrel roll number four, the hammerhead, the barley aged uh, mm-hmm. barley wine. Yeah. You know, this was a, a really great beer. So, this beer is from Hangar 24 Craft Brewery out of Redlands, California. Their description of this beer is it's a well executed hammerhead, is smooth and dramatic. The beer is no exception. Hammerhead is a big, complex American style barley wine featuring two English caramel malts and four American hops. Hammerhead's character is enhanced by dry hopping and then aging the beer uh, amber liquid for six months in charred oak, rye, whiskey, and bourbon barrels. Then the spicy aroma split from the glass, rich caramel, citrusy hops, mm. bourbon and oak, layer the flavors of toffee, vanilla, brown sugar, spice, rye whiskey, <laughs> uh, partridge in a pear tree, lead for the warm, and um, and it uh, has a slightly bitter finish. I, I, there was like 14 other things missing in that description, I'm sure. So um, this is something they have produced over the last uh, three or four years. The ABV on this is 11.2%. Some of my tasting notes. This is a really great barley wine. And I, I think uh, it comes right back to the heart of what we were talking about here was that it's well balanced with the booze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the thing that I liked, you know, about this beer. And it's not um, an easy thing to do. You know, I mean, a lot of times you stick something in a bottle and let it go and the booze is there. You yeah. Know, you have to make sure you complement it. You know, to make it really drinkable. And as this puppy is warmed up, it's completely opened up. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I had some tasting notes when I first, you know, first out of the bottle. And I thought, eh, okay, this is okay. But as it's been warming up, this one in particular has really sort of like broadened, you know, my taste palette. And um, I, I've come to appreciate it even more. Yeah. So, you know, there was one thing uh, in this flight that... Uh, really just fell off the wagon for me and it was kind of interesting because uh, it would I really thought all these beers uh, had some really great reviews you know um, with some other organizations and and uh, you know I thought would do really well so the one thing in here that uh, I really thought got lost was the Hof 10 Dormel the, the barrel aged uh, number 10 in Madeira sure um, so uh, some of my tasting notes around this were it was watery. Uh, there was yeah. not a lot of booze. And that was the one I wrote, where is the beer? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what happened to It's this. like they took a small beer and put it into a barrel with a big 
you know, liqueur or whatever and mm. let it go. Well, I'm, I'm going to extend my band out Alabama by this comment, which is, uh, so I, I know where I picked this beer up was in the state of Alabama. So I'm just going to blame it on them somehow, yeah. some way that they did something to the beer that just, you know. Screw you, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, but it just really tastes like it was watered down. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Something happened. Um, and I don't think that it got uh, blighted by light or skunked or anything like that. I just... Uh, um, great uh, packaging and presentation, and you know they definitely. Uh, there's a whole series of things, you know, from uh, Duff uh, Hormal here sure. that uh, you have to choose from, and um, yeah, it just uh, if there was anything, I would probably encourage you not to purchase out of these flight. That would be the only one that I would say uh, in here as well. So, um, what would your what would your Christmas present be? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I um, I didn't mention that. So, you know, I think what I would uh, probably buy uh, a, a beer friend would uh, be a, um, uh, a membership in a, a club that allows them access into uh, some beers that are not always available to the public. And there's quite a few of these Probably the one that I like the most um, is the one from the brewery. It's the Preservation Society um, is the name of that group. I, I can't remember how much it costs to get in there. Um, I want to say a couple hundred bucks. Um, and they, you can you can do an annual membership, or you can you could do it by the quarter, depending on you know how much beer that you really think that that person will enjoy. But the beers that are available through the Preservation Society. Um, at the brewery are really top notch, and they really do save uh, some beers that they don't even serve up in the tap room um, that cool. they actually make available yeah, only really through cool. the Preservation Society. You know, there's quite a few of these, uh, you know, what I would consider uh, access clubs into um, a lot of places. Um, I know that there's another brewery out of Bloomington, Illinois, that their sour program. Um, has a, a similar you know program where you can purchase you know access into the club. I know some of the other larger breweries um, have done something like this in the past. I, I think they had something like this that was available at at Russian River at one moment. I think uh, they had something like this at Stone for a very limited period of time. They've done things like this at Sierra Nevada at uh, you know so. I would say uh, pick a, uh, a brewery maybe that is not uh, easily accessible to your friend and see if they have a program where they have a, a ship program where they'll get access into some beers, either barrel-aged, uh, limited edition, or more importantly, sour programs uh, that are really coming online with a lot of breweries right now. That would be at the, the top of my list. The one with the brewery is would absolutely be at the top of my list uh, for cool. sure. Yeah. So I didn't get to give my. Yep, I know. Uh, I forgot. I was going to swing back to you too. That's cool. So what's your gift to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> so what's your gift? To I would, you know, does it come with a cork? The first, well, the, I was going to say the first thing would be a uh, leave the cork out. Is it leave the cork out or leave the cork in? Let's leave the cork in. Yeah. Well, I'm wherever, quite positive of that. Wherever you want to leave the cork, you know. Um, Leave the cork in T-shirt. You know that would be my number one gift to someone. But um, you know Christmas and you know or you know Kwanzaa or 
you know, Ramadan or whatever you want to celebrate with someone this Any time of year. Any excuse to drink beer. Um, it's all about being with someone. So my number one gift that I would give to a beer lover is that I would take them out to a cool beer bar or a uh, tap room or somewhere and buy them a flight. You know, that would be my number one gift to a beer lover that I loved. Hmm. So that's what you should do, folks. Buy somebody a beer. And if you see me out, buy me a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow it came back around to him. It It always does. It always does. Mm -hmm. That's how I roll. (laughs) Well, those are all uh, some really great uh, uh, choices out of these flights. And uh, I would say that... uh, uh, all of these are really some great great choices. We did not get a chance to review all of these beers, and uh, I would encourage you to pick some of the ones up that we did not review on the show and try them out for yourself as well. Having vintage beer is really quite the it thing to do right now. This can provide you with lots of do's and don'ts, and Reverend Mark is here to cover some tips on beer cellaring for all of you. All right. Well, I hope to cover most of the bases here. I think I will. I'd say first and foremost, do not cellar fresh hop or IPA style beers. Uh, they need to be consumed as soon as possible. I know even as a home brewer and a competitive brewer, I do not even enter IPAs if they're more than a month old. Uh, A second uh, rule of thumb is that uh, basically the higher the alcohol by volume the better it will seller and I would say start at 8% and go upward. Anything 8% and above will seller pretty well. Uh, Barrel aged beers uh, may not actually continue to get better because they've already been aged so Again, you might want to have second thoughts about uh, settling everything that comes in as barrel-aged. Uh, also, as we know, light and temperature can kill a cellar beer much faster, so it needs to be dark and your temperatures need to be low and consistent. Uh, things labeled as bottled conditioned uh, generally tend to do better in a cellar. Uh, store the beer upright that is don't lay it down like you would a wine Mm. and uh, basically styles that tend to work best uh, are uh, your big beers such as barley wines uh, Belgian darts and uh, and big stouts I would say that lagers do not usually do well in the cellar and that you know you just need to for the most part see that you know, beers that are beyond these fairly tight parameters that we've already lined up are meant to be consumed uh, sooner than later. So don't don't uh, cellar a lot of beer, in my opinion. Uh, also, use the uh, uh, the temperature uh, that you store it at is the temperature that you would serve it at, and so I would like you know at least keep it uh, 60 or below if you can at all possible. So those are that's not completely comprehensive but I think if you go with this uh, you'll be happy with what you do set aside and you'll be even happier 
uh, by consuming the things that you should right now. Hey, the um, <clears throat> the stand up versus lay down rule. That's because of the sediment, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. because most of these bottle conditioned beers uh, are naturally carbonated. Uh, not all, but I mean many are, and certainly if you're looking at um, you know artesian type beers. So yeah, you don't want to lay those down because you're gonna you know distribute the yeast in a way that it's gonna uh, uh, give more uh, surface exposure mm-hmm. to your beer. So you're probably better to have it upright get those off flavors yeah. yeah okay cool well you know i'll throw in a, a couple of other things to add as well that uh, so um yeah i sell her you know quite a bit of wine and people ask me you know tips about uh cellaring beer as well and i guess the one thing that uh i would really say is that beer has a, a very generous uh, range of the way in which it can be stored. So it doesn't have humidity requirements because you don't have a cork um, you know, right. that you have to deal with uh, most of the time. And even those things that are uh, use a cork, like a champagne cork style, that style of a cork has been permeated to the point that you don't have to keep it wet. In fact, that's one thing you don't want to do by laying down a beer is actually exposing it to the cork itself. Oh, wow. in, in the wine world, you do that primarily in order to uh, maintain the seal of the cork within the bottle itself, except for champagne style uh, corks, you don't have to do that. And, and the vast majority of the corks that are that are used in, in beer are champagne style, you know, corks that are actually wedged in and actually permeated um, with uh, to the point where they actually don't allow moisture or, or air to be exposed hmm. to it. So don't lay beer down. I don't know how much that's I could great, say that. That's yeah. a great thing. Yeah. We're tasting old stock. From 2006, from North Coast Brewing and Alesmith Grand Crew from 19, oh, not from 1993. <laughs> That's funny. I actually, now it's from 2013. It's not that old, Mike. Wow, what a huge typo. So um, uh, these are two beer, two very different style beers. So one is a Grand Crew um, that is tra- traditionally sold as a holiday beer, and the other old stock is. Um, generally, uh, an English uh, ale, English old ale, uh, that is actually designed to be cellared uh, by North Coast. So, I guess the uh, the first question, kind of leading into this, is: Do you think they got better or worse with cellaring? Some did, some didn't. <laughs> well, I think you can tell, you know, obviously what beer was supposed to be cellared, hmm. because the other one didn't hold up you know yeah so uh so uh which was the one that you thought did well which one fared poorly well the old stock you know okay cool it's old stock (laughs) and it 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 has held up and it's got its flavor and its complexity the um the other one i think it you know it it got some oxidation um, you can feel <laughs> the thinness in the beer, and it um, it just did not get better. Hmm. Uh, so this is funny because uh, so both these are actually out of my own cellar, and uh, so it's easy for me to to comment uh, about how these were stored. They were literally stored side by side. Sure. Um, I mean, so they've seen the exact same conditions, although they've been mm-hmm. over a very different period of time. Right. You have one that's uh, you know been in the cellar for i don't know seven eight years 
and another one that's just been there for two, uh, one year, one, yeah. Yeah. one, one or two <laughs> years, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the old stock, um, and, and I've pulled a couple of these out, um, you know, periodically, and this one is really doing quite well. In fact, I would say this is it. This is It's not going to get any better for this. Um, so I think one of the things that a lot of people, they're, one of the, the first reactions they have is, where's the carb? Um, and, you know, I th- that's one thing that uh, I don't really don't look, yeah. I kind of look past that. You have, you, know, get, you have to get past you that. You have to get past that and, and not really think about, you know, aspects of cellaring, you know, quite that way. The Alesmith Grand Crew uh, really took a hard turn in a nosedive down in the ground. Yeah. And I had this when it first came out. In fact, I actually have a fresh bottle even from, you know, the, the current year. And it would be interesting to pop that open and taste it right alongside this because this is not the same beer. It's not even yeah, close. Right. This is the bittering agent has really just completely overwhelmed the beer. And uh, I would, uh, I'll be shocked if any of us even have another half glass of that. It is just really almost uh, not even consumable, especially with all these other beers in front of us. So. Um, I think in, in light of that, I mean, what do you think about the concept of cellaring beer, you know, itself? I think it's doable um, with certain styles, but I wouldn't do it with every style. I mean, clearly with, with the old stock. So these old ales do do well, um, you know, with aging. And it's the kind of beer that you don't have to worry about carbonation levels because even though this has minimal carbonation, it's still very full-bodied and you know and has a ton of levels to it versus the grand crew well you know this is a style that really doesn't age well because it's going to lose that consistency and you know now this is i mean one year later this is i mean sadly an awful beer that was once really great so you need to watch what you're cellaring um, but there are certain styles and certain um, brands, if you will, of beers. You know, like Bigfoots. Well, they obviously age well. And, you know, y- you see on the blogs that there are, you know, people talking about having six-year, seven-year, eight-year verticals of them. Yeah, so that's actually one of the, you know, and I have a couple of verticals of, of Bigfoot. And I, I've been to a couple of vertical tastings, you know, of that. And, you know, I think that that's... Uh, that's one of the beers that I would have to say it, it kind of comes and goes. Uh, and there are definitely a, a couple of times where I've had, you know, Bigfoots that have not aged, you know, very hmm. well, um, and some that I have. I like that you said that. Well, <laughs> well, no. Uh, the reason I like that you said that because there's a parallel between beers and wines. It's vintage. So a an an 08 Bigfoot might be great. But the 09 Bigfoot for, you know, maybe the malts weren't as good or the hop varieties were off or, or something happened yeah. with the yeast. It was not as good. You know, there there are parallels that a lot of people don't really think about. Well, I think there are other things that tend to play into some of that variation as well, uh, with especially with beer. So the ability of, of you know, securing uh, the bottle itself, you know. Yeah capping um technology is not like endure all you know for eons of time and it was you know that method of securing a bottle is not meant to 
survive 10 years and it's just it wasn't constructed for that how you know, do that you feel concept. about waxing and not your legs well uh on on both ends i don't think that it it feels good nor does it really do jack squat you know for the for the bottles themselves you know i would really say the the there are two really more superior uh packaging types that i think are probably more suited for cellaring uh probably at the top of my list is a can yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, I hope these. You know, the the trend seems to be moving more towards cans for everything. I hope they keep going that way. You know, I it may not look cool in the cellar, but you know, um, they stack well. They they stack well, and and I got to tell you, um, I, I've cracked open some some barley wines that I've had for over three years that were in a can, and and they actually I, I like them better as almost better than the old stock we have there here. There ain't no light getting through there and that's exactly that. right <laughs> you know uh, probably uh, right behind that are going to be uh, uh, champagne cork uh, you know style yeah, with, with a cage, cage. yeah um, are, are probably the other you know more superior uh, you know in terms of long-term you know uh, storage of something um, it's definitely a, a lot more difficult and more expensive but right uh, in terms of being able to yield to a lot of different you know wide variety of temperature temperature conditions uh you know definitely uh, there's a lot of things that can happen to it there the uh well dave's getting that <laughs> uh, well uh so uh i ran into a recent article on cellaring backwards bastard from founders going back about three years ago this oh, actually yeah. got released you know very recently and you know i think uh it's a really great article i'll try to repost the the uh, the link to the um, the author and and certainly I, I wish I could remember who they were to give them credit here you know on the episode directly but it was really a, a very interesting uh, conclusion um, so it was very simple it's just a founders uh, backwards bastard that going back three years and they had three different years and the conclusion was is that the beer did not get better. In fact, the third year uh, beer was actually not consumable. It it really got that that That's bad. That's interesting. So it follows one of the mantras that we have talked about uh, that Reverend Mark introduced everybody at the top of the segment, which is don't sell her a, a barrel aged beer. It sure. does not get better. Because they've already aged. It's already it aged. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a good reason why they uh, actually did that and then bottled it because, as far as they were concerned, it was good to go. They were releasing yeah. it at the pinnacle of when the beer was going to be good yeah so there are some beers that are available in a vintage lineup we talked about one which is uh um bigfoot from sierra nevada yeah. and i went to a couple of these uh, vertical industry tastings there were a couple of uh, some other things from stone that were available you know in a vertical tasting as well this concept is actually quite popular in the wine world and so it's actually a practice that's borrowed you know from the wine world and in the, in the wine industry uh, you know, frankly, I've not really found all cellar beer to be better. Yeah. And I think that no, that is, uh, even under the best conditions. Um, I like to drink beer as soon as I get it. Now, that's <laughs> contradictory to my partner. Now, she is a why clerk. are all your sample cups empty? And, and yeah, ours, exactly. are, ours are still sitting here, Dave. What are, you, what are you trying to say? Beer is meant to be consumed. Okay. I'll put it to you this way. Beer does no one any good in the bottle. 
But it does in your belly. All right. So <laughs> thank you. There's another t shirt there. I'm not quite sure. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> yep. So uh, to, I think to kind of wrap things up around our conversation on cellaring, it is a real crapshoot. And uh, I would uh, I would really encourage you do some of your own experimentation. Um, there's a lot of great articles out there for you to uh, take advantage of. Other people that have spent a lot of time, money, and energy. But, uh, you know, I really find it quite fascinating. People are like, dude, here's a picture of my beer cellar. And I'm like, okay, well, that's already gone and that's turned. <laughs> and you just wasted 20 bucks on that bottle. And you that ruined was, that beer by taking a picture that of it. That one's about to turn. Mine. So why don't you ship it to me before you, <laughs> you know, hurt yourself badly? So, anyway. Well, it's really great stuff all the way across the board, and uh, it's a really great episode for today. I want to take a moment and thank all of our listeners here at Sip, Suds, and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online at iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are wondering, why don't they ship us a barrel of beer every single week? And they threaten to actually take us off the air unless we do so. So... They're still continuing to expand in light of that plight. If you'd like to hear this radio show on your favorite radio station, send them a note, drop them a barrel of beer, send us a picture of the whole event, and copy us as well. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you anytime online at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day. At Smoke is our handle. Our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news as well. If you happen to pick up a fresh six-pack of beer in the next hour or two, contact Dave. Yes. At info at <laughs> good old boy Dave. <laughs> Send me beer. Listen, do us a favor if you're listening to this episode online. Take the time to rate this episode. That really helps us out quite a bit. We get to the top of a lot of great search engines, and other people can find our show as well. And it tells Mike just how awesome I am. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I want to thank uh, my host for being here today. Uh, good old gal Juliana, thank you for being here. Drink on, guys. Uh, good old boy Dave, thank you for being here. Reverend Mark says hello. <laughs> and I say, leave the cork in. <laughs> I am going to thank Reverend Mark in absentia for being here. He had to duck out a little bit early before we finish this episode. This is good old boy Mike asking you to join us once again and keep on this has been a one-tan hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.